If you're listening to this, you probably watched at least some of the Wizards game in Cleveland on Saturday night. And if you watched some of the Wizards game in Cleveland on Saturday night, you are amongst the small percentage of people in this world who must be unbelievably inspired by what a an incredible performance in which the Wizards lost 116-101. They trailed by as much as 29. They just looked awful. John Wall, a career-low one point, 0 for 5 from the field. First time in his career he didn't make a shot for an entire game. He went 0 for 5. Uh, Bradley Beal had 27, but it was on 25 shots. Otto Porter had 15 points and 7 boards. Like Tristan Thompson went for 23 and 19. He had 19 rebounds. The entire Wizards starting lineup, math off the top of my head, had 9, 10, 18. Tristan Thompson had 19 rebounds. The entire Wizards starting lineup had 18 rebounds. And somehow, my favorite statistic of the night, Jan Mahimi was a plus 17 in 15 minutes. Somehow. I really don't know how that is. I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. I was not in Cleveland with the team tonight. I am, however, on Skype with uh, now second-time guest, analytics-crazed chart-side man, Mikel Barrow. Hey man, my I'm I'm a, like my record is one one now, and so you have to invite me back when Washington wins. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where, where, where it's going to be. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. But I mean, it was a weird game. Like it was a game for about like seven eight minutes in the first quarter, and and that that was about it. Yeah, it was uh, it was not the best performance after that. Cleveland went on a 29 to 4 run. I think it was 29 to 4 at one point, 31 to 4. Yes. Something like that. Something just wild. Like absolutely wild. Wall, so John Wall told Candace Buckner after the game that he's been dealing with bone spurs in his in his left heel. Mm. Which explains some of the performance. Now John also had a kid 2 days ago and you have kids. I don't. I imagine. Yeah, it can be brutal. Uh, yeah, the first two days after having a kid, willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that's fair. You get you get the you get the dad benefit. First game after having a child, you it would make sense that you would play poorly because he's probably he probably hasn't slept. So, I mean, it's it's understandable. On top of the injuries, he told Candace Buckner after the game. Candace tweeted this that he. Probably he said he probably shouldn't have played. I don't know what's going to come of this. I'm meeting the team in Indianapolis tomorrow. They're going to practice tomorrow in Indiana. I'm meeting them. I'm, I'm flying out in the morning and I'm meeting them at practice. I, I don't know if Wall's going to end up missing time from this. And but he just hasn't. He just has not been all caps, John Wall, all season. He just hasn't. And tonight was like just the ultimate sign of that, right? Yeah, I have. I had a few notes here on John Wall, and the first one was Waldy is Morrow esque. Uh, like he was not standing in front of guys. Um, like Sexton is a pretty quick guard, uh, but he's a rookie, and John had no, like no way standing in front of him. They even had to switch uh, Beal at a certain point on Sexton. Um, so yeah, his defense was. was Awful. Uh, I thought he had like a few uh, bad run in terms of passing the ball. It wasn't very precise, very accurate, and and yeah, the shooting 
the shooting was not okay tonight. But then you can excuse the shooting um, if you are not 100% physically. The rest, um, I don't know. I mean, it's like I, I watched The Wizard a few times and the like. it seems that this season has uh, not started yet for, uh, for John Wall. Here's the thing. If John Wall's defensive performance tonight were an aberration, then I'd be like, yeah, probably the injury, probably the sleep. Probably that. Yeah. This is pretty normal. There was nothing where I was like, that's totally out of character, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's the scary part. I mean, that's why I'm saying like the season is is yet to be started for him because it's defensively it's uh, it's brutal to watch. I mean, he remembers me of uh, the 41 and 41 Houston Rockets um, two seasons ago, like two three seasons ago, when Harden was like just not interested in on on the defensive side. Um, and if your best player or the so-called best player of your team plays that kind of defense, it's pretty hard to build a consistent uh, defensive identity. And I thought Beal wasn't particularly great uh, in terms of defense as well. He, he hit a bunch of shots, but as you said, 25 shots. And probably 12 to 15 were two mid-ranger, like two-pointers, long twos, and stuff like that, uh, which end up and going in, but uh, they weren't necessarily good shots. Yeah, I actually wanted to look up how many mid-range shots they took tonight. They were just like, they just didn't look like they had it. They didn't look like they cared to have it. And, and that was kind of one of the ways that it was the case. Beal talked about their energy after the game. One of the disconcerting things about them, to me at least, is how one loss can just make the sky fall. You know, they've been playing okay. They've won three straight. They've been beating mm-hmm. bad teams, but like whatever. Yeah. They're 11 and 14. If you're beating anyone, that's good. They won three straight coming into this game. They had won nine out of 14. Even if you're playing against bad teams, that's a good stretch. They beat the Clippers in that stretch. They beat Houston in that stretch. Like It's not like they've exclusively beaten horrendous teams. The losses have been to like Portland and Toronto. Those are fine. Like That's that's fine. They've, they've been playing okay. It's all the drama and all the craziness. They've been playing okay. And they lose one. Brad's like, yeah, the energy wasn't there. He made a cryptic comment about them feeling iffy. I wasn't sure what he meant by that. I would have liked to follow mm. up on that if I were there. Uh, it's just like how one loss kind of sends them spiraling. One run, one bad run can send them spiraling. And it's uh, it's it's not a good trait for a team to have, I don't think. And it's weird because like they've trailed by double digits and I think five of their 11 wins. And mm. I don't know if that means that they're resilient and they come back or if it means that even when they're winning, they're still getting crushed. Like I don't, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah, know I, which I, one it is yet. Um, I think that when you play this kind of defense, you're bound to have runs for the other team. And so it's, it's just in your DNA because you expose yourself to runs. Um, I felt like when Cleveland went to, the, um, to, to their run, um, like between the first and the second, like Washington wasn't, well, was bad defensively, but like offensively, they just didn't play basketball. They were, there were a ton of one, um, one pass shots or zero pass shots. And so maybe, uh, like 
on the top of the defensive issue, I would look into uh, how they are playing offensively because maybe that can be related to like Wall's performance. If Wall has it, probably they can go back uh, in the game and like like Cleveland wasn't defending really hard. And so, but if you if you have like uh, a shaky defense and on top of that, your best player has one of those nights, uh, like uh, offensively, then it's it's hard to 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 try to, to make up for the 15, 20 points uh, deficit that you have. You can against Cleveland. I mean, again, their defense is, welcomes you to make basket uh, per se. So, I don't know. Maybe it's, it was just John Wall having um, uh, a bad night. Um, but I, I, I was surprised that you didn't mention the fact that Austin Rivers took a mid-range. I know he did. I tweeted about it. <laughs> Oh, I, I didn't see your Twitter feed. Uh, so is it, is it the first of the season? Second. Oh, the second. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the second. I, I okay. love that I've become – like he took his first mid-range shot against Philadelphia last week mm-hmm. and like seven people pointed it out to me. <laughs> like people tweeted at me. Two people on Media Row turned around like Michael Lee. Turned around, was like, mm-hmm. "You see that? You see that?" And then, and then Chris Miller, who just sidelined for them, was like, "You see? He did it." Uh, <laughs> I love that I've just become the person because, like, last year, whenever I wrote a story on Stephen Adams being weirdly good at winning jump balls last year, and every time Stephen Adams won a jump ball, which was like most of the time, people would then just start tweeting at me for the rest of the year. Every time we won an opening tip off, hey, you want a tip off? Now, now I'm now now I'm that with Austin Rivers, yeah. mid brain shots. I like that I've become the weird trend person. I'm actually really happy with that identity. I'm fine with that. Well, well I like you said become. I mean, you probably always had. Uh, I I remember you pu- putting up stats like weird stats even uh, in your first year uh, in OKC. So I don't remember particularly which one, but I I'm positive that it's not like uh, just. Last two seasons, Wizards. By the way, nineteen mid-range shots, and Bradley Beal took eight of them. Just eight? Yeah. Like NBA. dot like com defines. I know. NBA. dot com defines mid-range anything outside the paint from two-point range. So, took eight. Yeah. Of them. Well, I, I'm. I have the ESPN map in front of me. It seems like way more than that, like nine or ten. But who cares? Like a ton of them. Let's let's put it this way. Yes. He took he took a lot. Um, I want to get into also the trade the Wizards made yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so they gave up. They was part of a bigger deal where George Hill went to Milwaukee. Matthew Delvadova went to uh, went to the Cavaliers. Back to the Cavaliers. Matthew Delvadova coming home. There was some great LeBron. I'm coming home. Sports Illustrated article photoshops of Matthew Delvadova, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> Anyway, the Wizards got in on it. They got in on it at like the last second. This was one mm-hmm. of those things where these two teams, Milwaukee and Cleveland, needed a third deal. They called up the Wizards at the very last second. They were like, we need to make the money work. They were able to swap Jason Smith for Sam, for Sam Decker. Uh, they gave up a second-round pick. That 2022, uh, I believe, is unprotected the 2022 second rounder they gave up in the deal. They also completely as a condition. So the Wizards are in a bad spot with their second round picks. 
because they're giving up 2019. They got a 2019 from Atlanta coming in, but they're giving up their own 2019. 2020 was going to Milwaukee 46 to 60 protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it didn't convey, so if they made the playoffs in 2020, it was rolling over to 2022 unprotected. Then 2021 uh, is also traded. So what they did was they just removed the protections from 2020 to Milwaukee because Milwaukee was involved in the deal anyway. I love this. I think this is a great trade thing where they're able to trade this 2022 pick. Normally, you'd think that they could only trade a 2023 second round pick because 2022 was untouchable because there was rollover to 2022, right? But because Milwaukee was involved in the trade, this is such an NBA nerd thing, second round pick rollovers. Because Milwaukee was involved in the trade, they were able to just remove the the protections from the 2020 second rounder and that the, there's no rollover. It's just unprotected now in 2020. And it's definitely going to Milwaukee no matter what the pick is in 2020. And then it's uh, their 2022 is going to Cleveland. And man, to me, I see this trade and it's like, it makes sense. Sam Decker's salary is half of Jason Smith's. You're saving... Mm-hmm. $2.7 million in salary. You're saving another like $4 million in luxury tax or whatever it is. You're saving a lot of money. And when your team is at the time they made the trade, 11 and 14, it makes sense to make the deal. But to me, this is like the ultimate example of you can't judge an NBA trade in a vacuum because it's just like another one of those deals where it's like they made a regrettable uh, clearly what they deemed to be a regrettable contract because they gave away Jason Smith for monetary reasons. And they made a regrettable contract of paying Jason Smith $5.5 million for the season when he does not play. And they had to, not a huge asset, unprotected 2022 second round pick. But at that point, you have no idea how good you're going to be in 2022. John Wall's going to be making an insane amount of money. Uh, yeah. An insane amount of money. You don't know how good he's going to be. You don't know how good the team are. I mean, you got prime John Wall right now, and this team's 11 and 15. So you don't know what this team's going to be in 2022. For all you know, that's the 31st pick in the draft. For all you know, your 2020 is the 31st pick in the draft. Uh, and, and you're giving away a mini asset, but an asset. And those things accumulate. And those things have continued to accumulate. Now you gave up basically not just one pick because you removed the protections on Milwaukee. Kind of one and a half second round picks and it just all kind of snowballs and and my reaction to seeing that was like yeah when you consider everything to be a sunk cost it makes sense it totally makes sense but like i just feel the snowball rolling it's just this is one more one more rotation of that snowball you know yeah i mean when you and even like uh, from a contract standpoint uh, the second round picks has like a lot of flexibility, especially if you find something. Um, it's and like in the last few years, there are many players that, well, not not very many, but you can find players uh, that are chosen between thirty one and I would say forty five, fifty that can actually contribute in the in their first season, and you can give them a very very interesting contract, especially. If you are um, a luxury uh, tax team, so so yeah, I mean, giving up all your second rounders in consecutive years is not ideal. The truth is, though, that 
you can buy second rounders if you want. Uh, those are usually up for grabs. And so maybe uh, you can mitigate the fact that you trade out um, picks with just uh, money. Like you spare millions in luxury tax and you can maybe afford to pay two or three millions to, to get one back. Um, especially again, next year, probably they will need to have some cheap, very cheap contract, uh, in their books. And you can do that with second rounders. But yeah, I mean, as a practice, uh, to shed five, it was five millions, uh, what, what, uh, like it was five million and uh, one and change, uh, uh, incoming, right? Yeah, Something yeah, like yeah. So Smith's salary was five five. Decker's is about two eight. Oh, two eight. So it was okay. Yeah. So that. it's it's about two point uh, seven million dollars shed. But there's also the accompanying luxury tax payment, which is another four million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it's about it's, six million dollars, something like that, if you include luxury tax. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. I mean. Um, Probably stretching him was not uh, an option, and so yeah, I mean, if you don't want to stretch and have the have him on your books for longer, then you don't have like well, you couldn't you couldn't even stretch him because you're past the deadline. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Yeah, so no chance. Uh, If and probably this is something that uh, I don't know why some Decker career went south uh, this way. He was actually a contributor for Houston for a stretch. Uh, he had a few games okay with the Clippers and then nothing else. I don't know if you can recover him as a player, uh, but he kind of fits the mold of Washington to have like tall players uh, that can play multiple positions and try to go small with them. Again, not a great shooter. And um, it seems that Washington has too many of them, like players with size, uh, willing to take trees, but not very accurate on them. So I don't know if um, if he's going to be to end up being a good player uh, for Washington. But if you and if you take him just as a salary dump, I mean, um, yeah, uh, if it's a good second rounder, I think the price is a, a bit too steep. Uh, if it's um, like. 45 plus second rounder, then it's probably um, okay for the deal. Yeah. And, and here's another thing. That's a 2022 they just parted with. That, yeah. that, that, that's an important draft class. Like that could be when you have high school kids coming in. And that could be the yes. one year when you have. So if the NBA changes the rules so it gets rid of one and done and they say high school kids can come in, in that 2022 draft class, you could have kids declaring directly out of high school and you could have the overlap of the kids from the previous year who weren't allowed to declare directly out of high school. So you're going to have the best kids from the 2021 – from the class high school class of 2021 and the best recruits from the high school class of 2022. That could be the deepest draft class we've ever seen or at least in recent history. Yeah, you that can could be you unbelievably can deep. So a second round pick that year, yeah. I mean, a second round pick that year could be so much more valuable than the twentieth pick the year before that. I yeah. mean, it could be so much more valuable. We don't know how deep that draft is going to be. The Wizards mm-hmm. don't. Nobody does. These kids are what freshmen in high school now, right? Eighth grade, whatever they are. The freshmen. The freshmen. They're freshmen in high school now. Freshmen in high yep. school and eighth graders. So we don't know what they're going to be. It's impossible to tell exactly how deep it is, but it's going to be deep because you're going to have these kids from two different classes and, and the Wizards just 
kind of parted with that. And that's another thing that you have to look at. I, I, I could honestly see Sam Decker doing something because Sam mm-hmm. Decker is pretty good in transition yeah. and the Wizards like to play fast. And if he could, if Scott Brooks could find a way to get him in there with mostly first unit guys mm-hmm. and at the four is where he would do it. I could see him running the floor well with John Wall. Like I could see yeah. him getting out in transition, throwing down lobs in transition next to like a small ball center. Like when they're playing Markeith Morris at the five or even play him at the four and just play like him at the four and Jeff Green at the five and play super fast. Like I could, I could see that being a thing. Not all the time, not every game, mm-hmm. every once in a while. I could see that being a thing that Scott Brooks goes to because Sam Decker runs the floor well and he's a pretty good athlete. Yeah. And I could see him contributing in that fashion. And to be honest, he also played um, in, well, he's, he's not like uh, a low IQ player. So that helps. I mean, I think he can make good decisions. So, um, but I don't know why, yeah, like his career went this way, probably injury and probably like not the best situations for him. Um, maybe he finds his way uh, in Washington. If, uh, if that happens, then you can kind of see, uh, you can kind of justify uh, the pick if he if he ends up being a contributor for Washington this season. Yeah. Other thing about buying picks that we do have to note. Um, the Wizards sent out cash in this deal. They sent out cash nope. in the Jody Meeks deal. You can only send out $5.2 million in cash in in one um, fiscal year. So it's not like and, – and I think the company line for them is like exactly what you just said. And, and logically, it makes sense. Save money here. can go buy a second-round pick if you really want to. And mm-hmm. – we don't necessarily know. I mean, the price of a second round pick, you should probably be able to get one. It's a little bit different now. The teams can pay more. It used to be three, three point four million you could spend in a year. Now it's five point two. Uh, so the the way you value a second round pick is a little different because teams can spend more now. You should be able to get a second round pick for the m- amount of money that they're allowed to spend that they have that they have remaining. But it's not like they save six million dollars in luxury tax. Okay, great. Now they can go use six million dollars to buy a few picks. Oh no no no! Oh, That's no, no, not no, going to no, be no. the case. No, there are limits. There are limits, and and uh, even if and even if 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 you know even if they hadn't you know even even if they that that five point two million dollar limit like that's not all there for them. They're down to about three million to spend or something like that. Yeah, so, three million should be enough to, uh, to get one, especially not an early one. Um, because this this draft class is like this year um, is not very deep, and so probably there will be a lot of uh, teams looking to uh, unload um, second rounders, uh, especially teams that have like tons of them. I I have yet to check uh, the state of the, of the second draft as of now, the second um, round of the draft uh, as of now. But um, this year they could surely try to buy something if they want. Um, anything else from, is there anything from this game you were dying to talk about? Cause we didn't talk much about this game because I didn't well, think I... this game deserved all that much, but tell <laughs> me what else you were thinking. No, I mean, it's weird that other porters are like offensive energy ends in the first quarter. Like it's the second game. And I, I watched like a couple of uh, other games uh, of Washington and it, 
always seems the case. It starts very hot and then like and then it's sparse like energy in spots but not continuously while at the beginning of the game uh, it's it's like super goofy with peanuts like it starts very hot and then it kind of fades away is that a recurrent thing it's totally a recurring thing it happens yeah. all the time i i don't know why it is to be honest it would be an interesting story not even to find out the answer but just like ask everybody why? Why is that? So it's not peanuts. It's not like peanuts. Okay. Um, I, like other stuff, uh, I don't know. I mean, like Tristan Thompson seemed like uh, Olajuwon tonight uh, in the post. I mean, I know that uh, Washington likes to go small, but Tristan is not like the most refined big man. And, and he was killing like the Washington front line, whoever was there. And... Um, like he was able to establish deep position. This is one of the other issues that Washington has in defense. Um, like too many times, they allow uh, opponents to have like very deep positions, and and you can like you can, you can create stuff um, either for yourself or for others when you are able to go as deep as Tristan was uh, in the paint. He also just destroyed them on the boards. Yeah. They they need to do something. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I guess it's got to be personnel-wise because I think the issue is just strictly personnel. Their defensive mm-hmm. rebounding is so unbelievable. It's amazing. Uh, so with Dwight Howard not on the floor, mm-hmm. and obviously that's the vast majority of their minutes and the team they're going to be for a while, with Dwight Howard not on the floor, their defensive rebound rate it's actually a little bit higher than it was before. It's sixty-seven percent. That's yeah. just horrendous. They're last in the NBA in defensive rebound rate for the season. They're last in the NBA in overall rebound rate for the season. They're really bad uh, on the defensive boards, and yeah. like it, just every game when they go up against a hustle offensive rebounder, that guy is just going to kill him. They go up against the Nurkic, he's going to kill him. Tonight it's Tristan Thompson. He's going to kill him. Tristan Thompson's a really good offensive rebounder, and he had seven of them tonight. And it's just yeah, not a coincidence. Like He's a footwork rebounder too. So he's the mm-hmm. exact kind of offensive rebounder who just kills him. Like I bet you, even though Zach Randolph can't do anything that Zach Randolph used to do anymore, I bet you if Zach Randolph got into a game against him, he would just crush him because Zach Randolph's a footwork offensive rebounder. They play Canner. He's a footwork offensive rebounder. He just kills him. You know, those, those, those guys just like – those guys who are like negative rebounders who just box out and, and not like to jump over you guys, they just mm-hmm. they just crush them on the boards consistently. Have you seen the John Wall on-off numbers? Um, not yet, but I can look it up in, in the glass. Uh, which no, is I, can, I can just the, tell you. So yeah, they tell have, me, and then I'll double check with. This is how we're, this is how we're ending this. I've I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I've written it. John Wall now. This is now updated. So they're nine and six in their last fifteen, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many points? Yeah. How many points per one hundred better during that stretch? How many points per one hundred better do you think they are with John Wall on the bench? Ah. <sighs> Uh, like early morning guesses are the worst for me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'll, um, I would say seven. 19. 
It's now 19. It's now 19.2. During this stretch, they are 19.2 points per 100 possessions better when John Wall is not playing. Wow. It's that, wild. N- not great, Bob. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it is wow. wild. It, it's just, it's insane. Um, and I'll tell you what, people around the league are noticing. Mm. I've spo- yeah. I, I spoke to an analytics person from another team about it the other day. Like, mm. I spoke to two analytics people from other teams about it the other day, actually. Like, people around the league are aware of this. Um, yeah. I, I don't think that is a thing that will keep up to that degree. But for the season, there are still like six points per 100 better when John Wall's not on the floor. And it is just rising every time you check. Tonight, mm-hmm. it's a minus 14 in 26 minutes. And when he's not on the floor in 22 minutes, there are minus two. They stunk tonight beyond John Wall. And John Wall had a good reason to not be good tonight between what he says is the injury in his heel and between having a son a couple of days ago. So yeah. that's that's fine and totally – and that is a great – that's as great of a reason as you can possibly have, I think, for not playing well. But that being said, it's not just tonight. Like these numbers are carrying over for now a month. That's a month. Yeah. And it's uh, – it's not worth making any drastic decisions because of it, but is absolutely worth checking regularly to see if it persists. Because if it does persist, then all of a sudden you got to start uh, asking some hard questions. Yeah, there is the um, like the fact that Wall doesn't play in blowout minutes, where Washington like closes like tonight. Uh, the plus minus of Miami is one of the examples. If you look into cleaning the glass, the numbers are not that egregious. It's like minus two um, in terms of um, because cleaning the glass basically doesn't count blowouts. That's so, that's for the se- that's for the season. Yes, yes, yes. It's yeah. minus two for the for the, minus two for the season. Right, because um, he's like minus he's minus like five point five for the season. Yeah, 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 exactly. So you can you can actually uh, believe that a ton of that is the blowouts. But if you look into um, the same metric for past years, uh, in five seconds, I will read them. Uh, like it was plus 7-1 in uh, 12-13. Uh, it was up to plus 14 in 14-15. And it was always positive. And so this is the worst uh, of his career. Even the rookie year was less than than these two. It was like minus one off, uh, on off. So it gives you an idea of how John Wall is is not the player or is not as effective as a player as he was um, even last season where he wasn't uh, great. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Uh, Plug plug your stuff for my listeners and tell everybody that first of all everyone should be following Michele at Mikey Berra on Twitter M I K Y B E R R A he does awesome analytics work and super interesting stuff and plug plug all your other things um, well um, I tweet a ton about Thunder uh, I have like um, I started a project called Chartside as you mentioned uh, it does basically analytics for teams um, mostly uh, NCAA and European teams uh, and I'll try during the season to make another research uh, like the one that I did on passing accuracy um, 
maybe with Fred, who knows, uh, depends how he behaves, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, this is, um, this is what I do now. I tweet a lot about the thunder, but usually, uh, I can, you can find tweets about something else, uh, in my feeds. Um, also with also about Luka Doncic as of late. Oh uh, man, he is uh, something. Yeah, uh, he is. I was very high, uh, probably irrationally high, but he's just. You might not like, have been high like, enough. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I said uh, like uh, generational talent, so I, I I was high, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. He's unbelievable. <laughs> he's really unbelievable. Um, you can. Subscribe to Wizards After Dark. You can give us five stars on iTunes. You can leave a nice review. Uh, you can tweet tweet about Wizards After Dark, Facebook about Wizards After Dark, whatever social media you use. Post about Wizards After Dark on that. It, it helps grow the audience. I've like really enjoyed doing this so far. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't enjoy doing it. I do it after every game. I do it super late. It's one forty in the morning right now. I just I do this because I like it. I think it's a great way to talk to fans and communicate with fans because I realize not everybody is going to read The Athletic. Not everybody is on Twitter to see stuff. And it's just another way to communicate with people and give content and, and connect with fans and all that kind of stuff. And I happen to enjoy my job a lot and I enjoy doing this. So thank you so much to everybody who's listened. But obviously – I would love to grow the amount of people who are listening to this. So tell a friend, if you have a friend who's a big Wizards fan, text them, send it to him or her and and let them know uh, about Wizards After Dark because I'd love to spread the word about the podcast. Thank you so much for listening so far. Mikkeli, thanks for coming on, man. As always, a pleasure. Yeah. And uh, I will be – I'm leaving for Indianapolis tomorrow morning. So I'll be there Unless something weird happens with my flight, which is totally possible because it's a flight. Uh, I'm supposed to get in in time to be at practice tomorrow, and then I'll be at the Indiana game on Monday night. And uh, I'll be with the team after that. They play the Celtics. I'll be there. They play Brooklyn at Brooklyn. I'll be there and so on and so forth. And then LeBron comes to town next weekend. I'll be there at all that. I'll be podcasting after the Indiana game on Monday. I'll talk to you guys then.